0: two, three. Welcome to the Morecast. Before I get started, I'd like to talk to you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Moisee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coursefield, right in the middle of the dairy block. They are always online at bfwdenver.com. Uh, basically, my favorite place to go in Denver, uh, if I'm going to like have a night out with some wine, um, 2017 Cabernet, it's really good. Uh, the uh, Blake Street Blend is also very high quality, but they got partnerships with Western Slope wineries. Uh, that if you go to the Dairy Block, you'll be able to sample those and see what Colorado has to offer. If you go to bfwdenver.com, you, they will pick up a. You can pick up a bottle of wine there, uh, any of their varietals that they made from Sonoma County grapes. Um, if you go to bfwdenver.com as well, you can book yourself a virtual wine tasting, which is uh, very very popular even now. Uh, you can also pick up some swag there. Um, they got a whole bunch of branded material there if, you, if you're if you into that sort of thing. But it's one of my favorite places in Denver. I've been talking about them for three years. Go to Blanchard Family, Family Wines and you will not regret it. Once again, they're located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Moisee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado. Just a couple blocks away from Course Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. They're always online at bfwdenver.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. When you go in or you talk to them, tell them Jeff Morton from CSU Podcast sent you there what is up everybody thank you all for joining me on the latest more cast a special more cast with uh with a good friend of mine a frequent guest someone who has uh i believe the first time he was on csg was uh january of 2012 so 10 years ago uh it is my friend hello. It is my friend the that we called him the big stiff because he's eight feet tall it is my friend andy feinstein hello andy
1: Jeffrey, uh, thank you for having me on. Always an honor and a pleasure. And uh, I wish it was true that I was a frequent guest. I would say I'm an infrequent guest <laughs> these days. And it's not not your fault, more mine. But always awesome to be back on the show, especially during playoff time.
0: Well, I can, actually, I think this is the first time you've been on CSG for a while. I had you on my other podcast talking about Yimby stuff. So... Uh... <laughs> Mm. (laughs) We, uh, we, we, we have Denver,
1: Denver, Denver's uh, yeah. Denver's about to pass a uh, uh, affordable housing bill that will successfully turn them into uh, San Francisco. So they're working really hard at it, Uh, but we can talk about that another time.
0: Yes, we can. So uh, the, the Denver Nuggets are in the playoffs. So they were down three zero and uh, they won the last game um, in a, in uh, a okay fashion. Um, It was had its ups and downs, but, um i just one of the reasons i wanted to have andy on here is to talk about there's a like a historical perspective but andy's got some information for me because he and i had a debate as we often do <laughs> via um via the old uh, uh texting machine and uh we were talking about the nuggets in uh, uh their historical issues at home in the playoffs so andy to set this up you and I had a debate about this because I seem to think that the Nuggets teams that lost in the playoffs just weren't good enough to be honest with you. And that's why they lost in the playoffs, but you have some historical data to back up your assertion that it's just the Nuggets aren't very good at home in general in the playoffs. So you, you just, you just lay it on me and then I'll respond to what you're saying.
1: Oh, well, I must've missed the context of your set of the argument. You're not wrong. I'm just adding to it. Okay. Uh, We actually agree on this. Yeah. These just weren't good teams. Um, I remember Sandy Clough and I, you know, back in the, you know, the days we were critical of George Carl and Mm -hmm. he said, were they supposed to win these games anyway? Um, you know, fair enough. I just feel like if you, if you're in the playoffs and you are, I'm going to make a general statement. If you're in the playoffs and you are, you know, six seed, you're, you're an underdog, but you're a six seed, you're a five seed, maybe you're a seven seed, you should be able to win a home game or two. Um, and, uh, but even my, my, my concern, I should say, as a lifelong Nuggets fan who loves this team more than anything, is we're not even good at home when we're good. That's the problem. <laughs> um, and so uh, the Nuggets uh, uh, historically have not been a good home playoff team. And the reason for that is all of the advantages that the Denver Nuggets get during the regular season are not bestowed upon them in the playoffs. It's as simple as that you know, in the regular season and it's changed quite a bit, Jeff, and this might be why they've had a crummy home record this year. You know, the NBA has basically softened up the schedule. You know, when you and I were growing up, there were many more back-to-backs. I should have that data handy, but I don't, but there were a lot more back-to-backs in the early eighties of the real Denver Stiffs. There were back-to-back-to-backs. Look it up. I mean, Mm -hmm. sometimes teams would play three nights in a row, not, not frequently, but they would, you know, they were flying coach. They were getting in at two in the morning. Um, the NBA has really softened up the schedule. They've limited back-to-backs. They've limited how back-to-backs work. You know, there's this whole concept now of rest, um, right. which was never contemplated back then. I mean, if you were hurt, you were hurt. But unless you were really hurt, you didn't rest. Um, you gave the, fan their, the fans their money's worth. Right. Um, and, of course, you got the private planes. You got the masseuses. You got the training staff. I mean, I saw a, um, I saw a picture the other day of um, – the Nuggets, like the, the annual picture or whatever of the team, they had more like supporting coaches and trainers than they have players. It's insane. It looks like, it looks like they have an NFL. uh, They have like an NFL um, uh, rosters worth of coaches for an NBA team. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're just just like, it's insane to me. How many, I mean, remember when you and I were growing up, it was Doug Moe, Alan Bristow and chopper. That was it. Yeah. Um, and now they've—it's like they've exploded into, uh, like I said, it, it, it's like watching an NFL team. They've got—I mean, did the Nuggets have a, did the Nuggets have a quarterback coach and a linebacker coach? I mean, I don't even know what the hell all these coaches do.
0: All right. So anyway,
1: <laughs> um, my point is, is that they've made it as easy as possible, given that they play a very competitive, very physical, very tough sport. I'm not making any light of that. And I'm not suggesting these guys aren't tough. They are, but they have a much easier go at it during the regular season, um, and, and, then, and then you come to the playoffs. There's no flight arrivals at two in the morning. There's no back-to-back games. Um, There's no altitude advantage. And then the fourth one, which is probably a little controversial to say this, our fans are not good playoff fans. Mm -hmm. They're not. Um, You know, guys like yourself and myself, we go no matter what. The team can win 11 games under Bill Hanslick, and we go, okay? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The team can have a a 10-game losing streak, and we go. The team can be playing at 845 on a Wednesday night, and we go. The team can be down 3-0 in a playoff series, and we go. But unfortunately, you know, because the tickets have become so expensive, you know, the playoffs are a place to be seen rather than a place for the true basketball fan. They've priced out the true basketball fan. And that's why you see an arena with, what, 40% Warriors fans these days? Um, You know, all these – by the way, can we please talk about the bandwagon San Francisco Warriors fans here in a moment? (laughs) But anyway – so so denver's just not it's not boston it's not philadelphia it's not new york it's not one of these markets where it's even more expensive to go to a game however the population of those cities is so enormous that even the rich 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 are like diehard basketball fans if you know what i mean or i should say the diehard basketball fans are rich 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 enough to go into the game does that make sense right and so those are brutal places to play toronto is the same thing toronto has an incredible home court advantage um, because even though those tickets are double the price of Denver's, Toronto as a city is double the size of Denver's. Right. And so there's plenty of rich people that can afford to go. So anyway, our basketball fans that can afford to go. So I just not think the Nuggets have, the Nuggets are not a highly competitive home playoff atmosphere. And let me just read you some data points. Okay. So Michael Malone, who I'm a fan of, who I would argue is one of the most more successful, you think of Michael Malone compared to like George Carl and Doug Moe, and you say, oh, he's a much better playoff coach than those guys. Right. He's he's squeezed more out of his teams than those guys did, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He's eight and seven at home. He's eight and seven at home in the playoffs, Michael Malone. Uh, George Carl, George Carl at home, um, okay, if you exclude 2009 when they went to the conference finals, which is not fair to George, but if you exclude 2009, George Carl was was, uh, eight and 11 at home in the playoffs, okay? And with the conference finals run was 15 and 13. And then Doug Moe, who, of course, we adore more than anyone, was 15 and 14. Right. So my point is, is all three of these coaches, the three best coaches in Nuggets history, were basically 500 at home in the playoffs. Right. What does that tell you? Right. And so, like I'm saying, just the whole, the whole everything that gives Denver an advantage during the regular season goes away in the playoffs. And um, on, on this team specifically, and then I'll stop rambling, you know, I've, I've seen the criticism coming from, you know, the traditional media about on this Nuggets team I really think some perspective is in order. We are lucky that this team was a sixth seed, okay? Right. Lucky. Uh, right. We're lucky that they're fighting the Warriors as close as they're fighting them. Nothing from here on out, in my opinion, is a disappointment at all. And, frankly, getting swept by Phoenix last year wasn't a disappointment either. And, um, you know, this team with Murray, with Porter, is maybe a three seed. For sure a four, but maybe a three. And they're in a first-round series against Minnesota. Um, they're in a first round series against new Orleans, you know, maybe Utah. So, so they would win a first round series. I'm not convinced they win a second round series with those guys. And I'm not convinced they beat the warriors with those guys. So the yeah. criticism of this team has been really unfair, but I'm, I'm throwing two things at you. Once <laughs> punchline is don't criticize this team. It's not fair. They're missing their second and their third best player. And even with them, I'm not sure they're better than a three seed. And, 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 but, but secondarily to that, we're not a good home playoff team. We're just not, we never have been. And I hope that changes, but we're not.
0: Well, I, here's where I would counter that a little because the Nuggets' success in the uh, playoffs and at home in the playoffs has, has coincided with them having really good teams. 85, obviously, was uh, the Western Conference Finals year. And obviously, once again, like this year, injuries bit them in the ass in that, ser- in that uh, time, specifically against the Lakers. Um, the In the 2009 I mean let's face it here that team had was was doing great at home until they laid the the fuck down in game 6 against <laughs> against the, the Lakers but they that that was that was a, a exceptional team and I think what we're finding out here and I, I kind of agree with Sandy is that I, I think we're, we're seeing Nuggets' home records coincide with when they had the requisite talent. And this year, they do, they do not. As, as you and I will both acknowledge, this Nuggets team is seriously deficient and, and more defi- even more deficient, even if you have Murray and Porter in there, as you pointed out rightfully, um, this team is, is still not exactly, you know, going to be the, a fully healthy Phoenix team um, because they just don't have the requisite talent beyond porter murray and jokic and i think that part has where we're finding out right now is where they have been deficient now they won their last game but i think i think that is where we're at here is like it it coincides with the talent and you're right the the home crowds have been lackluster and they've been even more lackluster um, as time has gone on uh, I'll be honest with you. I'm hearing tales of, uh, of someone sent me a copy of receipt of their, their season tickets going up 55% over regular season tickets, which were already up 33%, which was uh, like, like talk about being priced out. Like, I mean, you were a season ticket holder for a long time. So you, yeah. And, and so, you know, you know, that you know the the jacking up of the prices of that really prices out the people who are going to get rowdy and going to go go up like the 80s nuggets crowds are the, the like at least the 70s Nuggets crowds were fantastic the nuggets led the led the nba in attendance all the way up to 1979 uh, of course that was only three years but still you know they, they had rabid fan base and then it kind of decreases as the prices uh, increase and that's uh, what has happened except for San Francisco where they've jacked the prices up like a thousand percent and you still have all those rich uh, Warriors fans showing up
1: hey real quick on on back to 2009 which basically proves everything you're saying uh, that game six against the Lakers um, uh, that game six um, I'll never forget I mean the Lakers just smoked us. I think it was in the third quarter. Kobe came out in the second half and just killed us. Yeah. And I remember fans leaving their seats before the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. And that's what told me. That's what told me we don't have true fans in the building. Yeah. Like Yeah, they're getting their butts kicked at home. It's game six of the conference finals. It's the farthest the Nuggets had gotten since, like, 19, I mean, 1985, they got to the conference finals. But it was the farthest they'd gotten in a conference final since the 70s. And people are leaving the building and it's because they weren't true fans. They were, they were, they bought their ticket off of StubHub, or it was probably the only time they went to a game all season. They want to impress their new girlfriend of the week or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, I thought that was a shameful, uh, fan experience. Okay. And I was there, I stayed till the end. I gave the team a standing ovation. They gave us a great season, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. and uh anyway so i hate to gripe on our own <laughs> you know um <laughs> but uh, this is uh denver does denver is not a fearsome place to play in the playoffs i can assure you of that
0: well i'll tell you this um bill simmons and ryan marcello were talking about this on their podcast and bill simmons was like i don't understand this denver's a p- great place to live and why do they have like 40 percent warriors fans there and uh, Ryan Rosillo pointed out, yeah, Denver's a great place to live because all these people moved in from California.
1: <laughs> well, Ryan's right about that. I mean, so, yeah, but, but here's the th- here's the funny thing, though. And you, you have a right wherever you grow up, you have a lifelong right to root for that team, whether you did or didn't when you were younger. But I can right. tell you right now, there's no way any of those Warriors fans were Warriors fans before 2010. No right. chance. Right. There's no chance um they probably even know who the Warriors were and they and, and, and when the Warriors were in Oakland in 2010 there's no way all those San Francisco transplants were going to the games but right, right. um Denver has seen a huge influx of Californians from the Bay Area they've completely priced them out and they've come to Denver and they're Warriors fans and they're entitled I mean the Warriors have done a great job of building that franchise back up obviously mm-hmm. um and uh, it is 40% Warriors fans. The problem is when you go to a Bulls game, it's 40% Bulls fans. When you go to a Lakers game, it's 60% Lakers fans. When you go to a Celtics game, it's 30% Celtics fans, you know? Mm. Even when you go to a Spurs game, it's like 25% Spurs fans. I'm like, where do these Spurs fans come from? Right. You know? <laughs> I didn't even know the Spurs had fans outside of San Francisco. Who the hell would root for this? I mean, uh, San Antonio. Who the hell would root for the Spurs? So, um uh, it's uh, it's a problem, and uh, I don't know if it's because they've priced the, 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 the fans out. I've heard some scuttlebutt about the it's the television deal, you know, um, yeah. The, the, yeah. The, the team is so inaccessible to the average fan during the third or maybe this is the fourth, sorry, the fourth golden era of Nuggets basketball and the mm-hmm. fan can't even watch the game at home. That's right. a huge problem. Um, and uh, anyway, I hate to sit here and gripe about it. I actually am trying to be optimistic. I, I think the Nuggets have put up a hell of a fight. Um, they're probably going to lose in game five, but I'm good with it. And I don't think that this team should be overtly criticized. Uh, you know, it wasn't a fair fight. And if you have Murray and, uh, and Porter and you're firing on all cylinders, um, maybe you do push these guys to six games, maybe even seven games. You know, that's a much better team.
0: Well, I'll, I'll tell you this. And, and I'm going to draw some historical, as, as I want to do, some historical uh, um, kind of perspective on the situation because obviously I was surprised. Uh, and I, I told you this before the podcast, I was really surprised how many people did not know that the Nuggets are only one of three teams to come back from 0-3 down to tie a seven game series. I, I, I am flummoxed at that because uh, the only, the last team to do it was the Portland trailblazers, the jailblazers in 2003 and they came back. I think it was against the Mavericks. Uh, in, but, but all these teams ended up losing the series. So that's why they're kind of historical anomalies. And But that Nuggets team in 94, there's very little cross comparison I can have between that roster and this roster. But I will say that that Nuggets team, much like this Nuggets team, should have won game three. And uh. As I recall, and maybe you have a clearer memory of this, uh, Mahmoud abdul aruf got lost on a screen, and Jeff Hornacek hit a game-winning shot at, at I think almost the three-point line to uh, beat the Nuggets last second in Game Three, and that was the hinge point in that series. The Nuggets win that game, they win that series. I'm not saying that is the same thing with this one uh, because I, I don't think that's there's the talent gap here. But it you, it can be done. So in your memory, what did that team do in uh, 94 that kind of led them to be, not only in the first round, but the second round, come back from all these uh, elimination games and just keep fighting?
1: God, you got a better memory, memory than me. I, I barely remember that series. Um, I had to look at the box score the other day just to see exactly what happened in game uh, seven in Utah. Um, that team, uh, you know, the the, the win gap was there, but the talent gap probably wasn't there. Like you're mm-hmm. saying, they were just younger. Um, uh, you know, I, I I don't I don't I can't I don't remember enough about that team to give you a great answer to your question. What I, what I will say though is Nick Nurse had a great quote the other day. You know, the Raptors, of course, were down three zero. Right. He had a great quote the other day. He said, "You know, teams have come back from three one, so we just got to get to three one." It was a really interesting quote. Right. Um, and, of course, they have the benefit of playing Doc Rivers, who's been on the wrong side of the 3-1, um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, the 3-1 collapse three times. Um, and so is Steve but, Kerr, actually. Uh, you know, I, I just got to assume the 94 team had, like, nothing to lose. If there's one comparison between the 94 team and this Nuggets team is they have nothing to lose. No one expects them to do this. Um, there's a pretty hefty gap both in talent and win totals, regular season win totals between the two teams. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Raptors – could potentially be on the cusp of is really interesting because the Raptors and the Sixers were what, two games apart, three games apart. Yeah. Raptors it's should a, it's have a also four five won match.
0: three. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And so that's a really interesting, you know, the Raptors could be the one and I've said for years, it's going to happen one time. It's going to happen. Someone's going to come back from three zero in the NBA and they're going to win. It's going to happen.
0: Well, and um, 3-1 was a huge achievement for doing that twice in one series, even though it was in that kind of anomalous bubble situation. Yeah. Um, it, it, was, it was a mighty, mighty, mighty achievement that, I mean, look, you cannot take that away from the Nuggets. 3-0 in a regular season with fans is would be a oh. monumental achievement.
1: And Philadelphia fans? Oh, oh, my God! it's uh, <laughs> monumental. Yeah. I mean, the bubble, Hey, look, it wasn't the Nuggets fault. They had to play in the bubble, but you do wonder, you know, do, do those teams really collapse like that when they've got the fans on their side, it's rare. I mean, the Epic, the Epic really, to me, the biggest three, one collapse ever is probably warriors Cavaliers yeah. in the NBA finals. Yeah. Um, and it was, and the irony of that, of course, was the Oklahoma city thunder had collapsed three to one against the warriors in the series before. Right, right, and so the Warriors were just exhausted, and um, and and you know, Graymon got himself suspended, which probably cost them that series on some level. But mm-hmm. um, but anyway, that the only comparison would be the nothing to lose factor, Jeff. I just don't remember that series well enough to know. I, I remember at the time thinking this is destiny. The Nuggets not only were they the first team ever to be the eight to beat the one, they are going to be the first team ever to be the the three zero deficit and take it and, and take over to come and win a series. I, I was convinced, and then I remember. They were gonna play Houston in the conference finals, and we'd actually play Houston pretty well that season.
0: Yeah, they and so they won, I won thought the season series.
1: Was, yeah, I was, that's my point. So I thought this is the one, this is the year, and, and never, you know, God won't let the Nuggets win a championship, as we know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I talked to Sandy Clef about this a lot, and Sandy and I were and, and Sandy says to me flat out, he said, if Nuggets win game three, they win that series and they go to the finals against the Knicks. And he said. And he and I'm like, wow, that's pretty bold. And He says that they, the Nuggets had that Rockets team's number, because and and one thing I I was a difference between the two teams is that '94 team was really good defensively. That was a yeah. That was one of the best Nuggets defensive teams. Uh, I think I've ever seen. They were kind of inept in the half-court offense, which caught up to them, but they were uh, a very good defensively, and I think that's what propelled them more than anything else. They relied on Matumbo to block those shots, kind of like the uh, Utah Jazz. Um, only that Nuggets team has a stronger mental uh resilience than this jazz team does. But it is it oh, is boy. yeah, it is fascinating to see it because. There is a reason, and coming back to the overall historical perspective, away from the Nuggets, there's a reason three o deficits are so insurmountable. It's because the best teams generally win in the NBA series, make it so to where the 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 one game advantage you have in the NCAA NCAA tournament is not there. You know, you don't have that one bad night where you get this. You have can have a one bad night and then win the next game uh, due to series in the NBA. So the best team. Ninety-five percent of the time, always wins, and if not a
1: hundred percent of the time, you know, yeah. I, I started to interrupt. I, I, the only time the NBA you could argue the best team didn't win or whatever, it's usually it's it's just injuries. Right. Um, it, it, when a team is um, preeminently talented and they're fully healthy, they're unbeatable in the NBA because, like you just said, it's not just seven games; it's hundreds of possessions in the game. You're not really subject to a fluky touchdown or a fluky you know walk off grand slam or you know it's just it's or, or in like in hockey you can have a terrible you can have a terrible hockey game and still win one zero you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and it just it just doesn't happen in the nba so when a team, i mean you know the milwaukee bucks um uh you know as soon as they got Giannis back for the finals last year they were going to win um just like phoenix you know you t- can't take anything away from phoenix it's not their fault that you know, Anthony Davis was hurt in the first round and Kawhi Leonard was hurt in the third round and Jamal Murray was hurt in the second round, you know, uh, Phoenix had a nice little, you know, run there, but, and even the Warriors, you know, when they beat LeBron the first time, I think Kevin Love and Kyrie were hurt. Um, and, uh, and even when they brought Durant on, I don't think the Cavs were at full strength memory serves. So, uh, if you're healthy in the NBA, if you're healthy, um, and you're at that level anyway, uh, you're going to win. There's no flukes.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, look at now. I mean, look at the Suns. They they are uh, Devin Booker got injured, and now they're suddenly feeling what every other team that played them last year is, is feeling. That's right. <laughs> they, just, they, they. I mean, they're seriously in danger of losing to the eight seed, uh, uh, New Orleans Pelicans, which is which is an, uh, insane. Absolutely insane. Uh, yeah. This is a, a weird year. Um. So I'm gonna like, uh, uh, and I thank Andy for coming on. Um. Again. Um. We're going to wrap this up with actually some some positive memories um, because I kind of, I, I'm, I'm springing this on you, but I, I think your recall is is almost as good as mine as far as these same memories go. You and I have been to a lot of Nuggets games. I mean, you've had, had tickets for, you know, dog's years and you and I have been to a lot of games. What is your most, what's your favorite playoff memory of going to a Nuggets game?
1: My favorite playoff memory of going to a Nuggets game. Being in attendance. Um, Yeah, no, I I understand the question. Um, What game? I don't remember. Was it game three against the Sonics that went to overtime? And Robert Pack dunked on Sean Kemp? Game four. Okay. So that would be up there. Um, That would absolutely be up there. How could it not be? Um, I really enjoyed, uh, you know... I really enjoyed game seven against the Spurs just a couple of years ago, you know, in 2019, that was an awesome, awesome game. You know, that team was down two to one, the Denver Riders were writing the nuggets off. They grinded it out. They stole a game in San Antonio uh, to win that game seven at home against a very well-coached team. It was really fun to be in the building for that game. Um, you know whereas like 2009 was an awesome run, awesome, awesome. But those Mavericks games, those Hornets games, they weren't close. It right. wasn't like you know, you weren't on the edge of your seat. Right. I remember that Spurs game was pretty close, those Sonics games were pretty close. Um, I, I, I'm not picking on George Carlin, and, and we should congratulate Coach Carl on a long overdue yes. um, induction into the Hall of Fame. But yes, those games, all those home games were blah, if memory serves. Like, you just never felt good in the building outside of 09, you right. never felt good. Just didn't feel good, <laughs> never. <laughs> right. um, so, so my favorites would be yeah, ninety four against the Sonics at home, uh, game four, uh, game seven against the Spurs, and nineteen was pretty electric. Uh, you know, um, and then uh, like I wasn't, uh, I'm sure I was there. I just don't remember. Like eighty six against the Rockets, double overtime, game six um you know 88 against the uh supersonics game five i'm sure was an exhilarating experience i just don't remember you know that was a long time ago
0: yeah i remember the 88 one against the sonics i listened to that one jeff kingery was doing the broadcast (laughs) i remember listening to that one on the radio um but uh the one that stands out to me is game six against utah 94 Uh, that is the loudest i ever heard a noise in my life um mcnichols i think this is when people and people people uh who are older like you and i appreciate is that mcnichols was actually when it was got when it got going it was loud and it was one of the loudest places i've i've been in in a denver venue to be honest with you and when that place started going and you got they got revved up particularly during that 94 run it was insane and game six brian williams goes uh, uh may he rest in peace uh, bison Delay. he uh goes on a break with robert pack pat pack gets him a pocket pass uh right and he gets a left-handed dunk for an and one which he missed the free throw but that the roof i was there the roof almost came off the place it was deafening absolutely deafening and that was when the moment that was that right that moment andy you're talking about this is team of destiny that's the that that is the point you know 16 year old jeff is like oh my god they're gonna do it <laughs> that was that was the moment i'm like holy shit and then they ran out of steam in the second half of game for game seven but that was that was my favorite by far my favorite moment of and maybe watching any nuggets game was that brian williams dunk in in game six against the jazz i was just electric
1: that's very cool you have a much better memory than i do but um it's uh it, it's all very cool uh okay. Hey, my memories for bullshit, the man. For game four. <laughs>
0: my me- What's that? I only remember like inconsequential things. <laughs>
1: yeah, no worries. <laughs> I t-
0: I don't remember anything important in my life. I just remember that for some reason. Um, you know, uh, Andy, it's it's uh, always, and I know you got to run. Um, I know, uh, you know, it's I I liked having you on, and I actually read a column you wrote in two thousand nine, I think.
1: Oh God! How do you find
0: him? I can't find them. Anyway, go on. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just type in Andy Feinstein and 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 the past, and no, it comes up. No, I don't. Um, anyway, I I was reading one you wrote because I was going through our old uh, Stiffs columns, and I was uh, it was just it was a fun one you wrote about the Nuggets' history against the the Lakers, and then I followed up with mm. one like a, like a month later with a with a <laughs> video clips and all this stuff, and I'm like, you know, this is this is it's it's fun and i i I had so much fun doing denver Stiffs with you and nate and uh it was it was a it was a great time and i i really appreciate the time that we had from 2000 well i was i forget when i came on but all the way up to when and nate left in 2015 and the heights that it was taken to by people who came in after us like adam and uh and ryan but uh i really i really did look back on the, that that times that we were writing and i think that that was a lot of that was a lot of fun man
1: we were having a lot of fun um i also hadn't procreated yet so i had a lot more time on my hands um but um now i'm lucky if i even watch a third of the nuggets games but that's what happens when you have two kids and are under four years old um, but, uh, it was fun. It will always be a special part of my life. And certainly that's what bonds you and I forever, my brother. Forever. And, uh, we'll, we'll be, we'll be excited to watch game five and, uh, don't have any optimism and then you won't be disappointed.
0: Well, this is true. Well, this is, that's the Nuggets credo, isn't it? Um, <laughs> so anyway, well, thanks, thanks to uh, Andy Feinstein for joining me. And uh, I'll have Andy on again to talk about some other, other stuff. Maybe that doesn't have anything to do with basketball. You never know. So uh, anyway, thanks Andy. And uh, I'll uh, be back soon with another episode. Goodbye.